to Biblical Talks Podcast with Michael Tolliver. This podcast is dedicated to biblical teaching and having worldview discussions from a biblical perspective. Here is today's podcast. Welcome to Biblical Talks. The other day, my family was watching TV and they was watching a Christian rap group on TV singing. I just happened to walk in the room. And it kind of disturbed me because when you see people on TV and they are talking about Jesus, they are saying God's name, but they are acting just like the world. The whole stage is acting just like the world. That disturbs me. And I honestly can't listen to it. My family has no problem because they believe they were speaking Christian needs. Because, you know, when you speak Christian needs, as long as you say God and Jesus and you throw a little scriptures in there, it's, it's okay. And so we start discuss discussing what is worldliness. Because my issue was with them is that that is worldliness. I don't care how much you talk about Jesus, how much you throw God names in what you're saying. You are acting and you're sounding like the world. So the question is, what is worldliness? Beloved, have you noticed today when you buy a bag of potato chips? The bag is about one-fourth chips and three-fourths air. Now, the potato chip company still calls it a bag of potato chips. They still advertise it as a bag of potato chips. But you notice that when you pay for a bag of potato chips, you get more air than chips. The problem is today is we have too many potato chip Christians. There are too many Christians who have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You know, we, we go to see Beyonce on Monday, but we would be singing Michael W. W. Smith songs on Sunday. You know, open my eyes, open the eyes of my heart, oh Lord. You know what I'm talking about. They love Jesus on Sunday, but they are back in the world on Monday. Beloved, it should not be so. In 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17, John said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Remember, we went over that word, word. It means cosmos in the Greek. And again, it doesn't mean that he's talking about a physical world. He's not talking about men or humanity in the world. What he's talking about when he says do not love the world or the things in the world, he's talking about a system. 
a system of sin, uh, a system that is that is totally evil, a system that which is anti-God and anti-Christ. A system that is made up in the atmosphere of lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Beloved, he's talking about a system, and that is a system I hear that is controlled by Satan, and its objective is to draw you in. There is a spiritual force behind this world system. When John said, do not love the world or the things in the world, John is saying that the things that are in the world are seeking to entangle man in his system. And boy, there are people today are being entangled. All kind of madness. We are not just fighting against sin. We need to be on guard against not only sin, but about sin. And again, the ruler of this world is trying to entangle us in his system. God is building up his church to its fulfillment for Christ to reign. And at the same time, beloved, Satan is trying to build up a world system and it's bound to fail. But he's trying to build up a system, a climax for the Antichrist to reign. Beloved, when we are faced with temptation and when we are faced with choices in life that confronts us every day, the question is not whether this is good or evil. The question is not whether this is helpful or harmful. No, the real question we must ask ourselves is, is it of this world or is it of God? That is the question. When you are faced with questions and situations in your life, ask yourself this question. Is this really of the world or really is this of God? And you will find it out by the word of God. You must stay in the word of God. For in reality, this is the conflict in our life and in the world. So whatever the two conflict that we are choosing every day in, day out, that is before us every day. The choice is never which one is bad. The issue is always God or Satan. That's the issue. If it's God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom. That's what we're choosing day in and day out. I mean, from watching TV, what you listen to on the radio, what you allow on your computer, what you say with your words, all of these are choices we make. And we are either choosing the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. Okay, then what is worldliness? Let me say this first. We should enjoy God's creation because God created this word for us to enjoy. And we should love people, even people who are lost. They need to know the Savior. And the forgiveness of their sins. But John used the word to, re to refer to an evil organized system that is ruled by Satan. Which operate, operates through unbelieving people who are God's enemy. 1 John 5 and verse 19. John said we know that we are of God. 
and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Jesus spoke of the world hating both him and those who follow him. In John 15, verse 18 through 19, Jesus said, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So listen, worldliness operate based on ungodly thoughts, ungodly attitudes, ungodly motives, values, and goals. And beloved, we all fall short of God's glory every day in these things. But the difference is, though, do we have a desire for God's glory? That's the issue. Worldliness does not. Worldliness does not seek to promote God's glory or to submit to God's sovereign authority. It is in this sense that we must not love the world. Our goal is to bring God's glory. It is not to have selfish thoughts, selfish attitudes, selfish motives, selfish values, and selfish goals. That is not how we operate. That's how the world operates. An old story is told about a crane that was walking in a stream looking for snails when a beautiful swan landed by. The crane had never seen a swan before, so he asked, what are you? I am a swan, came the reply. And where do you come from? The crane asked. Heaven, the swan answered. What is that? asked the crane. The swan eagerly began to explain its beauty and glory. He spoke of the New Jerusalem, the city of pure gold, with a jasper wall and pearly gates. He described it as a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal. At that point, the crane interrupted and he said, tell me, are there any snails in heaven? No, I'm afraid not, the swan says. He said, I do not care to go there. Beloved, that's how we act sometimes. We are so hooked by earthly possession that we fail to see and appreciate the eternal riches of Christ and all that he has to offer. Do you remember the rich young man in Mark 10 who chose foolishly the things of earth instead of the wonderful realities of heaven? Dr. Tony Evans said that worldliness is like a poison that pollutes the church. First, it neutralizes our impact and then start eating away at us from the inside out. That is so true. When John said that we are not to love the world, the things of the world, he does not mean that you must hate your house, your car, your relatives, your neighbors, your friends, your possessions. No, he's not saying that. Rather, he explains those things in 2 and 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. In other words, worldliness is primarily an attitude that is motivated by wrong desires and the wrongful promotion of self. We do live in a world that is all about self. 
because it's all about me. That's worldliness. It's promoting an attitude about you. Worldliness has wrong desires. Worldliness pollutes not only you, but the church and people all around you. Listen, a poor man with few possessions may be very worldly because he desired those things as a key to his happiness. On the flip side, a wealthy man may not be worldly in that he uses his possession as a steward of God and as a means of promoting God's purpose and glory. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Listen. So to be worldly is to operate on the same principle as an ungenerated person. It is to think and to act out of selfishness, greed, pride, and personal ambition. It is to have a selfish desire for the things that you do not have and a sense of pride in the things that you do have. Rather than living to please God who examined the heart, the worldly person tries to impress people who looks at the things outwardly. For example, if you refrain from drinking alcohol, which is fine, but if you refrain from drinking alcohol beverage because you want to impress others with how spiritually, spiritually you are, you take pride in, in you not drinking and look with contempt at those who do. Guess what? You are being worldly, worldly by not drinking. Do you see that? I'm not encouraging anyone to drink. I'm only pointing out that worldliness is not a matter of keeping some kind of list of do's and don'ts. It is a matter of your heart motive before God. Listen, in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9 and 10, Paul wrote, I write to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meeting the sexual immoral of this world or the greediness and swindles or idolatries. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. Now, it's clear from Paul's words that we may and we will indeed, we must associate with this world to a certain degree. For it is not the world that God so loved. Did not Christ die for the world? But here, the real question is, to what degree? How far may we go? I believe that all of us would agree that we are obligated at some point to do business in this world. We have to work here. We have to live here. But there is no doubt there is a limit somewhere. Keep within the limit and we are safe. Exceed it, we risk becoming caught up. By the evil one. Okay, let me illustrate this if I can. If the day should come when you are ill and you are in great pain and your doctor should prescribe for you some kind of pain medicine, let's say morphine, and you would instantly be alive to the dangers of becoming an addict to that drug. Now, you will follow the doctor's orders, no doubt. And you would take the drug, but you would take it fearfully and prayerfully because you realize this morphine can become addictive. For you know that there is power in that drug. 
and you realize that you are liable to come under, under that power. And this would be especially, especially true if the treatment had to be prolonged. Beloved, I do not think we can overstate this problem of worldliness in the church. For it is a serious problem and the dangers are real. Just look around. Christians are being caught up. Christians are getting, getting caught up. Churches are getting caught up. And sometimes it is hard to tell the saints from the ain'ts. The weeds and the wheat are growing up together. Beloved, all I am saying that every time you and I touch this world through the things of the world, we must do so because we have to live in this world. But we should feel as we would feel about taking morphine. For there are demons at the back of everything that belongs to this world. We need to be mindful of our surroundings. I know someone is asking how much morphine treatment can I take safely without falling prey to the morphine craving. I don't know. Only God knows that question. The answer to that question. Beloved, all I know is that there is a demonic power behind every worldly thing. It is important for every Christian to have a clear understanding of the spiritual world all around us and to appreciate how real the danger to which we are being continually exposed to. Do you know the further you go down in the ocean, the more pressurized the ocean becomes. The farther you go down, the more you will be compressed. If you go down deep enough, the ocean pressure will crush you like a pancake. The deeper you go, the greater pressure is. Listen, when the divers went looking for the Titanic, they had to make a trip in a small pressurized submarine. It's a little part like thing that a diver sits in when he intends to go deep. If a diver went to investigate the Titanic on the bottom of the ocean without a submarine, he would be destroyed because the pressure in his body would be less than the pressure in the water. His body will collapse because of the outside pressure in the water. Even though the water is squeezing against the submarine trying to collapse it, it cannot because the sub has been pressurized. The diver goes deeper and deeper and he remains safe and secure because the pressure on the inside is greater than the pressure on the outside. Listen. Most Christians leave church every Sunday only to go out into the world and to be under pressure. All of us do. We are under pressure at work. We are under pressure at home. We are under pressure in many other circumstances and situations we find ourselves in. Beloved, all I'm trying to say is that Satan is trying to clap us. 
So many Christians have headaches because the pressure is too great. So many Christians are stressed because the pressure is too great. So many Christians are ill because the pressure is too great. Listen to me. We cannot tell the ocean to stop pressurizing us. We cannot tell the world to stop pressurizing us. It won't. That's the nature of going deep in this world. That's the nature of this world. The world can't help but pressure you. But that's some good news. Greater is the pressure inside of you than the pressure outside of you. If you go deep on the inside, then when you are pressure on the outside, you won't cave in. So go deep in God's word. Go deep in prayer. Go deep in understanding. Go deep in wisdom. Go deep in God and love not this world. We'll pick up this on the next podcast when we will look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from this world. Those three things, the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything you're dealing with comes out of those three things. Have a blessed day from Biblical Talks. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Biblical Talks. This podcast is solely supported by listener donations. Please go to BiblicalTalks.com to support this podcast and have a blessed day.